Do you want to empower families and young people in your community? Then take the time to make a tax-deductible contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. The Coach Tate Foundation is dedicated to helping young people and their families in learning and passing on the kinds of life skills that we all need to succeed. All too often, we hear about kids and their families having encountered life's difficulties that could have been easily avoided by knowing better decision-making skills. From anger management to money management to something as simple as learning to manage how we spend our time or how we use our job skills. Make a donation to the Coach Tate Fund. It'll help kids who need help and their families too. Make your contribution to the Coach Tate Fund. Get details at www.coachtatefoundation.com. And oh, by the way, thank you. May the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Good morning. It's family time. And welcome back to Empower Family Radio Broadcast and Podcast. Today's topic is Our Pathway Forward, celebrating her story within his story. Biblical women of noble character. Let's take a look at Deborah. Judge Deborah ranked amongst the most famous women of the Bible. Deborah stands out not only for her wisdom, but also for her courage. She is the only woman of the Old Testament who is known for her own faith and action, not because of her relationship to any man. Well, let's ask ourselves, number one, who was Deborah in the Bible? And what can we learn about her story of courage and faith. Well, with an impressive resume of a judge, a military strategist, a poet, and prophet, she was also a singer and a songwriter. Judge Deborah was only one of five women described as a prophet in the Old Testament. As a prophet, Judge Deborah was said to hear God's voice and share those words with us. As a priestess, she did not offer sacrifices as the men did, but she did lead worship services and she preached. The only other person who was a combination prophet and judge was Samuel. Now, that's an impressive company, isn't it? According to the book of Judges, Deborah was a prophetess and the only female judge mentioned in the Bible. We know that Deborah was a, quote, mother in Israel, unquote, Judges 5, verse 7. Yet, we don't know for certain if that means she was a mother to our children. More likely, the, quote, mother in Israel is a title indicating that the nation looked to Deborah for leadership as the nation's mother, similarly to how the childless George Washington could be called the father or our nation of the United States. In Judges 5, we read Judge Deborah's story again, but this time in poetic form. This passage, often called the Song of Deborah, is believed to date as early as the 12th century B.C. and is possibly the earliest example of Hebrew poetry. This poem celebrates Deborah's victory over the Canaanites, Deborah's courage 
and wisdom in calling up an army to break Hazard's control over the Israelite 40 years of peace. Deborah was also a wise and trusted counselor. Listeners, number two, Judge Deborah was a wise and trusted counselor. She was one of the rulers of the Israelites prior to the monarchy period that began with Saul around 1047 B.C. These rulers were called Mispat judges, an office that traced back to a time when Moses appointed assistants to help him resolve disputes amongst the Hebrews, Exodus 18. Their practice was to seek guidance from God through prayer and meditation before making a ruling. Therefore, many of the judges also were considered prophets who spoke, quote, a word from the Lord, unquote. Judge Deborah was also a warrior. Having received instruction from God, Deborah called forth an Israelite warrior named Barak. Barak was Deborah's junior, her next in command. The name Barak means lightning, but he would not strike until he was given instruction by Judge Deborah. Judge Deborah receives prophecy. The Israelite warriors won the battle, which diminished Barak's fame of his victory over King Jabin's army as Deborah had prophesied. Amen. Now, listen, let's take a quick commercial break. And when we return, we will notate at least four things we can learn from Judge Deborah's biblical story. We'll be right back. Empower your family with the dynamic new book by Francina Halrus, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are. It's the book that gives you insights into life's problems. Francina Halrus is an author, motivational speaker, and national broadcaster who believes the answers to your problems lies within the knowledge that was once traditionally passed down by families. But that knowledge has been short-circuited by today's faster pace. The book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are, brings that accumulated wisdom to the problems that all families face. You'll find your copy of Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are at Amazon and at Better Bookstores. Empower your life with the dynamic new book, Our Sixth Sense and Purpose, The Power in Knowing Who You Are by Francina Hulrus. Welcome back, listeners, and I hope you have your pen and your paper. We're going to take notes from Judge Deborah's, and let's see how we can apply that to our lives today. Judge Deborah's story has often been discussed regarding how God uses women to serve in his kingdom. Now, let me say that again. We can learn from Judge Deborah that Judge Deborah's story has often been discussed regarding how God uses women to serve in his kingdom. Now, reading the story of Judge Deborah in the Bible, we can learn at least, at least these four things, listener. Number one, be obedient. What you feel God asking you to do may be terrifying, but if he is telling you to go somewhere or to do something, go. He has a plan that we can't fathom. Heart and lives may be at stake and your own life could be richly blessed by your obedience. Number two, be courageous. Stepping out in faith can be frightening, listener. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were called to leave but didn't feel equipped? The old saying is that 
quote, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called, unquote. He will equip you. Be bold, my sister. Number four, stand true in your faith. We don't have to understand the how or the why. We just need to understand that God will faithfully guide us. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Last but not least, listen before speaking. Say that again. Listen before speaking. Judge Deborah lists under the palm tree. She took in all sides and then with God speaking to her, made her decrees before acting or speaking, then ask God to reveal to you which direction you should go. Now, lastly, I encourage all of our listeners to read the entire book of Judges, Judges 4 and 5. Take in Judge Deborah's story. Pray about it. Ask God to reveal to you the lessons he would have you to learn. Amen. Let's take a quick commercial break, and when we return, we'll learn more from our talk with Demetrius Mamaritas, the executive director of the Coach Tate Foundation, and his interview and talk with yours truly, Francina Tate Horace. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. To everybody that enjoyed this podcast, order your book today. It's called Secrets and Protection Strategies for National Security by Francina Hollers. The book comes in two forms, a soft cover, and you can also download the Audible so you can listen to it at any time of the day. Make sure you go to Amazon.com and order today. This is a must for everybody. Listeners, are we ready? Are we prepared to lead by example today for our tomorrow? How can you lead others if you cannot lead yourself? Hello, Francina. How are you doing today? Doing very well, Demetrius. Thank you for having me today. Uh, this is such a great thing right here because this is Women's Month, and what better way to honor somebody special like yourself that's done so many things in this industry uh, with the only minority woman in the world doing nuclear security. And we kind of want to ask you a few things so all the listeners and followers can understand kind of what's going on in this security arena, which is kind of out there right now with everything going on in the world. So can you kind of explain like how you got into security and, uh, you know, what it takes to be in security, who selected you, why they selected you, and what kind of things you're kind of doing that makes you so unique and um, and kind of what's going on right now. People asking a lot of questions well, out there. Yeah, I know. It's true. We don't have enough time to make you, but thank you so much. And to, uh, first of all, I'll give a shout-out to all the women out there for Women's History Month. It's time that we tell our story in his story. So uh, congratulations to all the wonderful women out there and keep doing the work you're doing. But Demetrius, thank you for uh, taking the time today to reverse the role. I'm not quite uh, used to having this role, but uh, we're living in a time where security is, is at the surface of everything we do. And uh, after 9-11 in 2001, I was called by two, uh, Duke Energy. And, and the record is out there. It's all over Google so you can do your own homework, but uh, it was certainly a time where uh, an African-American woman uh, going into a nuclear security power plant with armed guards, um, 125 pounds worth of weapons, and you're charged to lead 
the cause of protecting assets at such a critical time in our country, Demetrius. And uh, one thing I can say, uh, after 20 years, and as we look at where we are today and going forward, uh, that nuclear uh, security industry trained me in so many ways for 10 years, taught me so much at the highest level. But I believe my my passion for people and situational-based solutions were the key to my success. And for any woman that uh, going into a male-dominated, as we say, um, profession and law enforcement and security and nuclear security at the highest level of detail is certainly nothing to squawk at when it comes to today's times in which we live in. And I'm so happy to be prepared to pay it forward for the next generation so they can learn what a unique industry this is. Now, now, um, how did you get into Do you have a, some type of security background? You know, they just don't call somebody that doesn't have any experience. How did they call you? Well, that's a great question. You know, in 2000, in the year of 2002, uh, and, oh, back up to 2011 when 9-11 hit, uh, Francina Tate Hallrest was pretty much staffing. You know, I've been in the staffing business for quite some time under just general office staffing, temporary staffing, human resources, workforce development on another scale. And after 9-11, I received a phone call. Uh, my work speaks for me. They needed uh, women and diversity within the ranks of uh, security. And they had confidence in my business model and my approach. Uh, I fit the mold. Opportunity presented itself to Matrix, and I was prepared to um, take on the opportunity. And when you're, you're prepared and you succeed. And I have a wonderful uh, group of mentors, uh, coaches that guided me on the process and along the way, wonderful, tough women. Uh, that coached me for a long time to learn how to navigate the terrain. Now, is this um, industry like, I know it's global and local and, you know, uh, people look at it, but they kind of don't know where it is exactly. Now, where is this industry actually taking you, like different states globally? Like, can you explain to the viewers or, or excuse me, to the listeners? Followers well, of course, it uh, started here in, 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 it started in the state of North Carolina, as I said earlier, with Duke Energy. And the expansion, if you can imagine the state of the country at times, the Twin Towers went down. Uh, every area in our lives were being affected. And nuclear power, where we get our lights and our energy, was certainly one of those. And uh, over the years, as you solve problems based on the situation, um, I was able to become a part of the Nuclear Energy Institute called NEI in Washington, D.C., where they make the laws and the rules and the legislation for our nuclear power mm -hmm. industry. And I was able to become a part of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission uh, and the Department of Energy, um, Homeland Security, which led to Austria. And I learned about foreign nuclear, Russia, Jordan, uh, Saudi, Iran, uh, there's a huge nuclear population uh, in in the foreign countries. And that was just, uh, we don't have enough time to talk about it, but so many of my colleagues today, we have a close network where we're 
moving forward to ensure that more minorities and women get into this industry to demonstrate there are problem solvers and can grow in this industry as well. Wow, that's awesome. Now, you mentioned something about Russia. Now, you know, with all the stuff going on with Putin and everything over in Russia, attacking Ukraine and this and that, what is going on? People are really worried about war and nuclear missiles and so forth. What is what is happening? People are really – it's a it's a tough time in our country right now. Well, Demetrius, you know, I, on the classified information, what I can say is this is we as citizens, there's 7 billion people and counting in the world, all subject to nuclear power reactors in a positive way or a negative way. Uh, this high-level uh, situation that we're dealing with right now in our country regarding Russia's nuclear threat, as we have seen it on the news at least, we as regular right. citizens, everyday citizens, we must sit back and let it play out. That's not our game to play. We have to be prepared to understand what what has to be done in our local communities where we receive our electricity, our power, and our lights. So to answer your question, I hope that helps that uh, it will resolve itself. This has been, uh, uh, this is about a week eight fight. This has been going on uh, for years in our world, and it's just now we're becoming aware, and uh, I'm excited about uh, the education piece we have for the next generation in nuclear security and protection, particularly around women and uh, minorities. Good paying jobs, Demetrius, good careers, good contracts for local business owners. It's just a pathway to get there. And uh, one of the challenges uh, that over the past 20 years that we uh, have been in this space is we have to find a new way to contract minority and women-owned businesses to get real contracts in this security space with nuclear in the United States. It's a multi-trillion dollar market. It's a multi-billion dollar state uh, government funds for these contracts to protect. And now we have cyber, we have drones, and we have maritime. We've got to protect the water, the sky, and the land. So it's ever-evolving, and we're excited to be a part of the evolution for the solution and sustainability that we need as citizens going forward in nuclear security. I'm sorry about the interruption there. I was wondering, is that part of this program you created called Nuclear Pro. Can you explain what's going on with that? Because um, that is very intriguing to know that you can actually get trained in that type of industry and women can come on board and so forth. Can you explain Nuclear Pro? Well, you know, during my inception into this industry as the first black woman in this space, I learned a lot. And uh, as I've always done, I'm a people person with uh, passion and purpose. The end determines the means. And the end is our job in nuclear security, 365, 24-7, it never shuts down. And it must reflect the community that we serve. And so we created the Nuclear Protection Academy in, mm. in collaboration with our industry colleagues, law enforcement, homeland security, DOE, and nuclear SMEs across the world, uh, and the certification bodies, the NRC, the NEI and the World Institute, and we created the Nuclear Protection Academy. It's a workforce development tool in order to train the uh, our minorities and women 
in the specifics that are only unique to the nuclear industry. So they are prepared to receive the jobs and income-producing work and contracts that's out here available for them in their local communities. You know, that, that's, that's such an amazing thing that you said because that gives women uh, another avenue. You know, I don't think a lot of people knew there's an industry that, you know, women can be involved with, you know. But now you, you explain it so nice. And uh, that's so um, awesome that there's a leader like yourself that can actually show people how to do this stuff. But um, uh, one big question is, a lot of people have that question, is nuclear, uh, nuclear energy power plants safe? You know, you hear about this Chernobyl meltdown back in the 80s and so forth and all this other um, issues with nuclear. Is it a safe industry? You know, they got coal and some that wind. But t- tell us about nuclear power. Well, nuclear is the safest thing out there as far as I have been able to ascertain from my homework and research and and industry colleagues today. It's evolved over the years. These plants have been around for a long time, and maintenance maintenance and upgrade and sustainability is critical going forward. And uh, so uh, they're very safe to answer your question, and they will get safer with new technologies and new threats that are upon us right now that – we are aware of and some we're not aware of, but uh, we have to evolve. And that's one thing I like about the nuclear security and the nuclear power industry as a whole. You've got thought leaders that are really uh, focused on the evolution of what it might look like and the skill sets and contractors that are going to be needed, as I said earlier, uh, for cyber, drones, and maritime. As you know, uh, these yeah. nuclear power plants must be by large bodies of waters, often oceans and seas. And um, so you've got two different populations living there. So there's a lot to be done yet in the space, but it's invigorating. It's exciting because we're creating some real long-term sustainable jobs right in our local communities in the south in rural areas, Demetrius, and you know that's always a passion of mine, these rural communities and the populations and families living in them must have equal opportunity to these good-paying jobs. They just need to be trained, and that's our model is based on the situation. Every situation is different, and that is what we attribute to our success. And the second thing I'll share on that question is it's also very incumbent upon all of us as business owners to include a strategic plan for a good team. As you know, operating 365, 24-7, never shut down in five different states. You have to rely on a good team, and that has been our blessing and gift and also your challenge and uh, to, to put together a good team that has the same passion and purpose you have. And you will go far in sustaining the vision of all parties. And the third thing I'll say to that, Demetrius, is a contingency plan uh, and a continuous improvement plan. Those are two key tenets. As a woman business owner, whether you're in nuclear security or any business, you must have a contingency plan. Anytime we're dealing with human beings, it's subject to change. You have to build in a contingency plan three levels deep or more 
to enable you to sustain your business or product going forward, regardless of the climate that might come up to deter. Hmm. Yeah, we have, a, we have about a minute or so left, but I understand that you have a couple books out there. One is on security, another one is pretty much your sixth sense, kind of being aware of things. Can you explain a little bit about those books and how they can order them if they want? They're, I've read them both, and they're phenomenal. Um, and I think everybody should get them, but can you explain uh, the books? Well, you know, one of my, thank you for that question, Demetrius. One of my colleagues said, Francine, you can't write the books because you're still writing the, living the chapters. And I, I found those books to come at a time, the first one in 2015, after we reorganized the nuclear security business uh, to focus more on strategic solving problems, consulting, and uh recapturing cyber and drone and maritime, we were able to take time to think about her story. Uh, there were others that wanted to hear my story of how it occurred and where we are today. And so the book is a, a product of that journey. That part of the journey is to um, express and help others to learn who they are and the power in knowing who they are and their purpose, and their sixth sense, which security in this industry taught me a, a, a great deal about who I am and my background. So I shared that in my first book. It's a part of a series. And the second book you reference is, and it's a bestseller, and this has turned bestseller, uh, national um, security industry focus book is called Secrets and Protection and Strategies for National Security. So we had to clean that book up a little bit so we didn't reveal classified information. And we're very uh, sacred with secrets of, of the industry. And uh, the book is a value add. We've gotten a lot of reviews just to bring the awareness to our everyday families and our children about uh, the environment that they live in, including the building materials and um, the outside and internal environment. So I think it's a value-add book. They've been bestsellers, and we're trying to get them now translated into several different languages in the countries where there are nuclear power uh, plants and other educational institutions we have relationships with abroad. So we're excited about being an author. It's, it's, uh, I've got about five more uh, due to come out, Demetrius, over the next several years as we write the chapters by living our lives. Awesome. And I cherish that part of the journey with all other women out there today who are living and still writing the chapters to their story. And we just are happy to be a part of this celebration of her story as a part of his story. You know, thanks so much. We're out of time. If you want to reach Francina, Go to www.phrancena.com, francina.com. Her email is im at francina.com. And thank you to all the listeners, and we'll be continuing next week because this security industry is huge. Listeners, homework assignment, take note. What does your story look like? What does your story sound like? What does your story smell like, taste like? feel like? And what does your story sense like? Are you paying attention? In our close, I have a short poem here submitted by Francis Dugan. And the title is The Unsung 
heroes and heroines. They are not the type of people historians do recall, and their names will never be inscribed on any memorial wall. The women and men who work hard and live in the honest way, it can be truly said of them that they earn their every pay. The builders of communities, the backbone of every town, one never can say of them that they do leave the country down. They remain the unsung heroes and heroines. And it does seem sad to say that for their contributions to society, for them never a loud hip hooray. Memories of their contributions to humanity should never be allowed to fade. Though to thank them for their efforts, never a street parade. Like their ancestors before them, the survival of humanity on them does depend. The financial economies of the world than them does not have a better friend. The few billionaires out of the hard work of working people accumulate most of their financial gain, while the hard-working men and women of the world as the unsung heroes and heroines do remain. Amen. We are so-